Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lawyers in the Making podcast. I'm your host, Nate Crespo, and today we have a very special guest, the first ever guest on the Lawyers in the Making podcast. He's a 3L at Albany Law and has had recent internships as a judicial intern at the New York State District Court, as well as being a summer associate at Costello, Cooney, and Firon. He's also a sub-editor at the Albany Law Review. Mr. Justin Davis, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. It's uh, fun. Fun to see the Albany Mock Trial team uh, doing something different. Absolutely. So, Is this a creature of your own creation? Well, what exactly is this? So this is a creature of my own creation, actually. Um, but we're happy to have you on here. Um, so, Justin, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, sure. Well, like you said, I'm a 3L at Albany Law School, which is a third year for people who aren't in the vernacular for that. Um, I went to Albany and got my undergraduate in uh, criminal justice, got a minors in education and sociology. And uh, most of my summers in high school and college, I worked construction, so I have a little bit of a blue collar side to uh, the way I look at things. But in my last year, I'm gearing up for the bar, which that'll be fun. And like you said, I've had a few internships. Right now, I'm working out for the Northern District of New York for Judge Khan, a uh, great judge, great court if you've ever been. And anything you want to know, just ask me about it. I'm, I'm willing to open about it or talk openly about it. I just can't uh, discuss pending cases. That's the only thing. <laughs> so you actually said something very interesting there, which is kind of a big premise of why I created this podcast, is that there's so many unique ways that one can get into law school. And you know, there's not a lot of prerequisites. And like you said, in your summers in high school, you had done a lot of construction work. So what made you do the transition from, you know, doing your summers, doing construction, and now, you know, you're working in law offices all your days? Oh, well, I was going to be a cop at first, so I had a bit of a different uh, path than most people. You know, I went through all of undergrad thinking, okay, I'm going to go into law enforcement, and I actually did get hired at a, a police department down in Maryland, and uh, during COVID, they canceled the academy. So I was like, okay, well, I need to do something. And I figured, well, the LSAT, when I looked up when it was, it was that next day. Uh, you had to sign up that night. And then it, the test was in a couple of weeks after that. So I had to act promptly. And, you know, as they say, the rest is history. But, you know, for people going with different routes, it's um, you see a lot of people with like the journalism majors, English majors. But I like to see people from engineering backgrounds, mathematical backgrounds. Those are the people you see really succeed in law school like the top people they tend to come from a stem background i'm not sure why that is but that's just what i've seen but like you said yeah there's no one way no one way in i mean yeah that that's really amazing to hear um you know because that's something i really built this i'm looking to build this podcast on and, and to hear that in the first episode is really just spectacular um so as well uh you're also the president of the basketball club Vice President of the Chess Club. You did moot court as well. You're in the golf club too. Can you tell, let's talk about the basketball club. So, you know, <laughs> what started that? I know it's become very big. It's one of the biggest ones on campus. Can you tell Lotus about that? Yeah, I'm actually handing off the presidency uh, this week. So I'm a little sad about that, but it's time to pass it down. Oh, the basketball club, we started it. It was three of my friends and I, and we were just playing pickup games. And 
we this was during COVID when I started law school. And Albany Law has a basketball court inside the school. And we started the club for the purpose of having a legitimate basis to argue with the administration to get access to that basketball court. And we were like, okay, and you, know, you learn if you go to law school that there's this thing called standing. You know, a plaintiff needs standing to bring a claim. We were like, okay, this is how we're going to get standing. We're going to form an official club. And uh, then the school was like, no, we're keeping it a classroom. But it turns out the pharmacy school, the Albany College of uh, Pharmacy, they had a basketball court and we made a deal with them to use their space. And then the club just shot off after that. We've been competing in a, there's a great law school basketball tournament at Western New England and about maybe 10 to 12 schools compete in that every year. And now, yeah, it's the biggest club on campus and uh, it's been pretty great. <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm sorry. Forgot the original question there. What was that? Oh, no, I, you gave a perfect response. Uh, I mean, the, I had no idea about this wide array of basketball tournaments through law school. Uh, that makes me a little happy because, you know, I played basketball my whole life. I played three years of varsity. So, you know, it, it makes me happy that I got something to look forward to in law school, go to some tournaments or something. Um, now, starting the basketball club was, you know, obviously it's something you did with your friends, but... How does it, you know, fit in with the rest of, of your law school life? It's interesting, you know, negotiating is the same skill set, no matter what you are negotiating for. And I remember being a 1L sitting in the dean's office with my buddy Ben and my buddy Zach. And we were advocating on behalf of our organization to get access. And it's, you know, then you see in practice, you know, you see attorneys advocating for their clients and, you know, substantively, it's very different and it's more serious, but procedurally it's very similar. I mean, you can be negotiating with what to get for dinner with someone and it's a similar skill set. So it's funny when, you know, you see high stakes and multi-million dollar negotiations and it's the same skills you would use arguing over what TV channel to watch is very interesting to me. Now that's an interesting point. Did you get this skill set? prior to law school? Did you feel you had it going through law school? You kind of built upon it. I had a professor in my first year who said something I thought was very smart, very wise. And she's young, so very wise out of her uh, young wisdom. Professor uh, Norman, that's her name. She talked about how she is a litigator and she works for the state. And we asked her, do you think you'll ever be a full-time professor? And she said, no because I never want to put down my toolbox. I never want to stop practicing. So it's like, you're not going to one day achieve X, Y, Z skill. And now you're good. It's you work on it consistently and you keep working at it and keep getting better. So it's like, you never become a great advocate. It's not like achieving some, some goal. It's just something that you work on and get better progressively. And you might see with some older partners at firms, if you end up going to law school that, uh, Maybe they've lost it a little bit because they're not practicing quite as much. But don't tell them that. <laughs> I'll be sure not to. Um, so now, you know, you took your LSAT. It was the last day to sign up. You had taken it. What went into your decision of going into Albany Law? Was it anything particular or was it just, you know, this is the one nearby? Well, you go to Albany, so you know that Albany Law, Albany has a great connection um, a lot of my friends went there. I knew that it was a good school. And so when I decided to take the LSAT, I wasn't set on Harvard or anything like that. You know, I, I figured I just want to go to Albany Law. 
And so when I took my LSAT and I wrote my essay and I got all the uh, materials prepared, I, I sent, now for anyone who's in the application process, you can send a letter of continued interest. So you applied, maybe it's been a couple months, you haven't heard anything. It, it's like dating, you wanna show you're interested. So you send a letter of continued interest. And I sent one to Albany and I said, hey, you're my first choice. If you let me in, I'll pay the deposit immediately. And um, so for me, Albany was just always the choice. I never really wanted to go anywhere else. I don't know if I have a good reason as to why, besides I just knew it was a good school. Maybe at the time, they don't really tell you. The better the school, it really makes a difference in the top jobs, top, like um, being a law clerk to a federal judge or going into what's called big law. It's much, much easier coming from an Ivy League school or just a top tier school. It's still feasible at lower level schools like Albany Law, but you need to do quite well or be connected to get those same opportunities. So for anyone that's looking to apply, keep that in mind. Like if you want to go be the guy from Suits in Manhattan, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to get that offer from Harvard than it is going to be coming from Albany Law. Yeah, I mean, those are really, really good insights. I think the continued interest part, I had no idea about that. And, you know, someone in the audience may have just learned, you know, learned about that. So that's, that's a great insight. Now, from going to Albany and then now, you know, being in Albany, um, Albany Law the last three years, uh, was there any kind of adjustment uh, period that you had to go through your first year? Oh, yeah, the first year is so difficult because maybe, you know, in, in high school, certainly, and depending on your undergraduate uh, major in college, you get a lot of feedback consistently and you go, okay, I'm doing fine. Things are great. But in law school, oftentimes it's one exam and it's on a curve. And so you have no idea. You're like, I'm reading all these cases. I think I know these rules. All these words are in Latin and I have no idea what's going on, but I think I'm Okay. When I talk with my friends, I seem competent about it. And you just have no idea how well you're doing until the end of finals, because that's your only real metric. You know, so I'd, I'd say it's really tough the first semester when you're working really hard, hopefully. And uh, then you just don't know. And it's a huge relief once you get grades back for most people uh, after that first semester. And you can go, OK, I know what I'm doing. Maybe I know a few things to work on and I can rest easy. So that first semester is really stressful and nerve wracking because you just have no idea how you're doing. So what kind of things were you doing that first year to ensure you, know, you weren't becoming overwhelmed, having too much stress, you know, keeping, but also keeping yourself busy, making sure you're on task and doing all the work you need to do? From what I've seen, all the best people at the school, when I say best, I don't mean actually best, I mean GPA best, um they take breaks they have hobbies they do other things like for me i played a lot of basketball i was really bad my first year now i'm less bad still pretty bad but less bad and it's uh i would take breaks all the time to go work out or go see a movie or you know go watch a show and you see some people they stress about it all day long but the time they put in is not quality time so you need to put quality time into your work and take breaks or you're going to burn out. So, you know, I, th I think you should always be active, be engaged in something. Like if you go for a run, you're actively engaged, but it can't just be school. 
you're not going to do well. You're going to fizzle out. So the next question I kind of have is with moot court, actually. So you got to compete. Was it in your 2L or, or 1L year? Um, I can't speak to other law schools, but at Albany Law, you can't compete in moot court as a 1L. Mm-hmm. Your 2L year, you can compete in an appellate competition called Gabrielli. He was um, on the Court of Appeals. He was a judge there, a uh, famous judge. And uh, so that was fun. I don't want to be an appellate attorney, but I thought it's good practice. It's good to get on your feet and try to argue. And, and it's, it's just good to work on your craft. So my tool year, I didn't take it too seriously, but I did work at that. But this year is the trial competition. And I've accepted a postgraduate offer, so I will be a trial attorney doing a plaintiff's work. And this is, you know, what I want to do. It's a, well, this is a criminal trial. I'll be a civil litigator. But my friend actually is calling me right now. <laughs> my partner, <laughs> he probably wants to meet to work on it. We're competing uh, in an elimination round this Wednesday. Oh, so God. I guess it's similar to what you do in mock trial. You know, it's um, you make your, your opening statement. We have two witnesses to direct, two witnesses to cross in a closing statement. The only difference I'd say from college mock trials that we have what's called motions in lemonade, which are essentially pre-trial evidentiary motions, you know, saying, oh, this piece of evidence is so ridiculous. They shouldn't even be able to bring it up in court. You judge, you should preclude this now before the jury even gets a chance to see it. So it's very similar to what you do at mock trial. You said something interesting um, in what you previously just said, but I just wanted to congratulate first on that postgraduate position it's at dreyer boyahan correct is that right or did i really it's not too bad don would laugh about you saying it like that it's a dryer boyage oh yeah i was never gonna get that but a great great plaintiff's firm in albany good to know and for everyone out there in the audience great plaintiff um but uh so you know you decided you want to do trial advocacy now in the future how did you come to that? Um, you know, how did you decide, oh, I want to do trials? I think a lot of people go into law school thinking, oh, I want to do trial work because they don't realize how much there is. I mean, in the law, there's all of these opportunities and, you know, a very small amount going in. You know, like for me, I thought, oh, the majority of the law is criminal. The criminal law is a very small subset of the entirety of the American legal system. Um, but for me, it was through internships, you know, my, my first year I was working doing matrimonial law and uh, family law and, you know, they, they shifted me around. Like I could do a little bit of employment stuff, some contract stuff, but the most fun I had was when we went down to county court to argue (laughs) over divorces and, you know, to be in the courtroom, talking with the judge, talking with the litigators, so that for me, it just, it, it seemed like more of a fit, but I think I'm a more outgoing person. You know, I don't have a problem public speaking. I have friends who they want to put on headphones, put on some lo-fi beats, and they want to jam out and read contracts and write them all day. And that's completely fine. It's just not for me. So you just need to be you know, aware of what your skill set is and how best to use that. So for me, I, I, I can draft contracts, but I don't want to spend all day doing that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, you know, in, in terms of everyone should kind of know their skill set and 
should pursue the kind of jobs, especially in the field of law, that will match up with those skills. I know for myself, uh, last year, I kind of was scrambling around trying to figure out, you know, what kind of law that I wanted to do. And, you know, to your point, you know, I kind of learned that, you know, I just got to wait it out, do some internships, and kind of figure out through experience, you know, what I want to do. But can you talk about a couple of, and I know you, you gave a great example at the matrimonial law firm, uh, but could you give a, a couple examples of, you know, through experiences, maybe not having a good time and like being like, I don't want to do this. I'll answer that in a second, but wait, did you get into law school yet? Are congratulations in order? Oh, no, I, I have not. I actually took the LSAT last month. I'm only a junior. So, oh, okay. You have time. You I have got time. a long way to go. <laughs> Don't worry, my friend, it'll come. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I guess as for a negative, ex negative experience. Now, I worked this summer at a firm, a great, great firm in Syracuse called Costello, Cooney & Fearon. I have nothing but good things to say about them. The partners there, the staff, they're all wonderful. They're all great attorneys. However, <laughs> the brunt of what I was doing was insurance defense work. And I think the moment for me when it clicked that I do not want to represent banks and insurance companies. So I wrote this memo. Now, a lot of times when you're a young lawyer or a young intern in law school, your assignments are legal research. They give you a question. You draft a, a brief memorandum uh, going over the law and you give them the answer. And in that, I used the plaintiff's name the whole time. You know, I put his name and the partner said to me, going forward only write plaintiff because we don't want to humanize them which strategically makes sense because you know to the insurance companies it's it's facts and it's law and it's irrelevant that they're a human being with their own feelings and their own pain and their own grievances you know on the other side plaintiff's attorneys you know you really want to drive that up that that emotional factor but for me i was like i can't believe that they just said that that is so heartless but insurance defense is heartless. <laughs> so for me, you know, that's when it, it clicks. I don't want to go to Manhattan and represent these huge corporations. And, you know, there's they need legal counsel. And those lawyers, you know, they're doing their job. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just not for me. And I wouldn't have known that unless I worked for a corporate firm. So you should try different things, you know, so that you know this isn't for me. So throughout, you know, up until now, you're you're in your third year at Albany Law. What what's been your favorite part about law school? Hmm. That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My favorite part of law school was probably civil trial practice class with Professor uh, Wetmore. Great, great uh, trial attorney. He worked at the DA's office, Albany County DA's, for a long time. And the final exam for that was he convinced one of the judges downtown to lend the courtroom over to us, law students. And we got to go into an actual courtroom and argue a case you know, with witnesses, the works. And that, to me, was just so much fun. It was such a great time. And you guys actually, uh, one of my witnesses from the Albany mock trial team. Oh, uh, yes, he did Ryan. Great. Ryan. <laughs> Shout out to Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for me, that was the most fun part. You know, it's you have um your black letter law classes, and those those are great. 
you know, it's really a mix up like undergrad with, is the professor inspired? Are they a bit long in the tooth? It means old. Um, you know, it's a lot of it's similar to undergrad in that regard, but to me, the practice classes are the most fun. And Albany Law has a lot of practice classes, which I commend them for the administration. So, you know, going forward, uh, you got your postgraduate position. Uh, what are you looking forward into? And uh, in, what are you looking forward to in that specifically? In that job, you know, I a lot of my friends call me crazy for this, but I'm going to a small firm with maybe five attorneys. And most of my friends, you know, that are, like say, on the law review with me uh, are going to Manhattan. They're going to work for massive firms that have hundreds of attorneys. And they're going to be billing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars per hour to do, you know, doc review and make sure that uh, that line is in small caps and that period is italicized. Big deal, according to the blue book, depending on the circumstance. And to me, I just thought of all the experiences I had, I never felt more at home than when I was a 2L spring semester clerking for Don and Jim at Dryer Voyage. It was just really like a family atmosphere. I got along with them. The way we met was very natural. It was at this uh, this Northern District of New York Bar Association was having an event and I was there. And I met Don, Don Boyajan at this event. And I was talking to a federal judge, Judge Scullin. And Judge Scullin, uh, he says to me, you got business cards tonight, right? And he has a big guy, deep voice, very commanding. I've sat in on a few of his hearings. And he, he's, he says, you know, you've got all these business cards. Let me see them. And I had maybe 20 business cards. And he takes them and he puts them in order. And I go, what is this? He goes, I put them in the order of the best firms around here. And then he goes, reach out to this one first. And that was Dryer Bayajan. And so I was like, okay, great. I'm going to go email them. The next day when I checked my email, Don had already emailed me. And he said, oh, we should grab lunch sometime and talk about maybe one day down the road. Uh, working for me when you graduate. So we met, we got um, lunch at a Pearl Street Diner. And now uh, you should always be, this one attorney I worked for in my first year summer, he said, whenever you're negotiating, shoot for the moon, go for as much as you can. And I said, you know, Don, Jim, I can work for you right now. We don't have to wait until I graduate. I'm, I'm ready right now. And so I kind of negotiated my way into an internship there. And then, you know, it really ended up being like a long interview process, a whole semester where I wrote a, a motion to quash a discovery one in New York. It's called Disclosure. And uh, wrote a, a big motion to dismiss in federal court. And it, it really worked out. It gave me a chance to see how they operate, let them see how I operate. And then I, I figured, I think this is where I want to go. But I should still try something else just in case it's not. So I went and I tried out the corporate firm in Syracuse. Most guys go to Manhattan. I decided to go upstate and go to Syracuse. Don't tell anyone I said this, but upstate attorneys are much, much better than Manhattan attorneys. It's a fact. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I decided by the end of the summer, I really want to go work for Dryer Bayajan. And so I, uh, when I finished, I called them. We got lunch at the same spot, the Pearl Street Diner. And I came and we, we negotiated an offer. 
I mean that that's a that's a honestly astounding story, aspiring, quite honestly. Um, but it kind of touches on something else important, and the importance of knowing, uh, it, you know, the importance of who you know, especially in the field of law. Can you kind of touch upon that? Uh, the importance of networking in this field. Oh, it's massive. Um, there's quite a few people who only get jobs, to be quite frank, because of who they know. Their dad might be a partner at this firm or their mom might be a judge and everyone knows them. And uh, they just have an automatic step up on everyone, which it's unfair, you know, looking at it. It's not their fault, but it's unfair. And, you know, I came in, you know, my, my dad made pizzas for a living. and My mom's an elementary school teacher. I don't know any lawyers. And so you really need to, at every opportunity, try to meet people, make your name known. Like, say for me, I know I'm going to be litigating in the Northern District of New York in Albany. I'm interning there right now for Judge Khan. The court calendar is public knowledge. I'm in every hearing I possibly can so that the judges can see me, their law clerks see me, all of, you know, the, uh, the bailiffs. I talk with them. I'm on a first name basis. When I go back as an attorney, they will all know who I am. And they wouldn't have if I didn't, you know, get out of my comfort zone and go sit awkwardly in the pews in the back. Like, who's this weird dude in a suit? <laughs> on Fridays, all the interns are there. So they're more used to it. But I'm there on like a Tuesday. There's no one there. It's, it's just me <laughs> and the judge and the, the defendant. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I guess most recently, I'll, I'm not old enough to give advice on networking because I'm just myself learning. I was, uh, I got invited to argue this mock trial case. It's the Northern District of New York Bar Association wanted to put on this 1983 training session where they were going to teach attorneys, young attorneys, how to argue a 1983 claim, which essentially is uh, most often prisoners filing for violations, usually pro se, and they need attorneys and they need pro bono attorneys. And they were trying to prepare to teach the lawyers how to do it. They're like, okay, but we need to teach the teachers how to teach the lawyers. So to teach the teachers how to teach the lawyers, they invited law students in to pretend to be lawyers so that they could teach us. It, it was very meta. It was very, very meta because <laughs> they were, you know, critiquing us. And then the older attorneys were critiquing them. It was very interesting to see. But anyway, it was a long-winded answer. We were having lunch at that event and I was sitting down next to um, Adam Katz. Uh, he's a U.S. attorney. And he runs, he's the president of the Northern District of New York Bar Association. And we're just all telling stories, smiling, laughing. And he leans over to me, kind of nudges me. And he goes, hey, Justin, you realize that there's federal judges here. Why the hell are you talking to me? <laughs> Go talk to them. <laughs> and I remember I was pacing back and forth talking to my friend Kyle. And I was like, oh, I don't want to interrupt her conversation. It looks like it's very intense. And, you know, it's a federal judge talking to a senior partner at a big firm. It's like, you know, I'm just some law student. I don't want to go interrupt them. And I I just composed myself. I walked over and I said, Your Honor, sir, I don't mean to be rude, but would you mind if I sit down with you and have lunch together? And the old uh, partner, he looks at me and he goes, be rude. <laughs> be rude early in your career. Okay? And I think that's, you know, the type of attitude you should have. You know, just be rude, put yourself out there, make yourself known. Absolutely. Great story, honestly. You really, you got great anecdotes. You've been delivering them the whole podcast, but uh, 
So finally, last little thing, a little segment that I came up with, just a little words of wisdom uh, for the law students out there, the aspiring law students. You know, what what would you what would you want to say to them? Oh, aspiring law students. Most lawyers tell you don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'll say from all the lawyers I've talked to and from all the law students I've talked to, it's a very rewarding field, but it is a field where for the rest of your life, you will have to work incredibly hard. You always have to be on your A game. You know, you'll get sued for malpractice, <laughs> but it's a very, very rewarding career where you can help people. You can change the law. You can really make a difference, but it's going to be a lot of work. And so if you're the type of person who wants an easy job to make good money, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you want to work hard and you like being intellectually stimulated, you will always be entertained. You know, it's uh, but you have to have that interest. You have to want it. And I see people who I think regret their decision and they're already looking for their exit ramp. And it's probably better if you find that out earlier before you spend all that money. So I think if you're in it, you know, I don't want to convince anyone to join the field, but you should really find out if you want it and then don't convince yourself, make sure it's right for you. And then if it is commit and fully commit, don't, don't half, I won't curse on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't put your all into it, you're not going to do well. You're not going to be great. So you have to be ready for that step. Great answer, Justin. Thank you for coming on. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening. I will see you the next time. Oh, thanks for having me. Nice talking, Nate. <laughs>